Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the AEW Rampage preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to look ahead to Rampage tonight. It's a bit of a weird one, this, because we obviously never look at the spoilers. This is a taped episode of AW Rampage. But there's already quite a lot of buzz about this one, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just as a general rule, whenever it's taped, um, we I don't tend to look at the spoilers. It's... A, it's an AEW problem because the company's doing great and the general critical and fan reception to it is awesome. But Rampage has, quote-unquote, fallen off. Um, at least compared to Dynamite, the, the byproduct of that is Dynamite's still awesome and hasn't had its prestige or its sort of must-see um, quality ruined. But Dynamite, we've said this one million times, and when they do one million shows similar to themselves, you're going to get the same take. They're 7 out of 10s. Uh, usually you get a very good or great match. Uh, two matches that sort of advanced storylines or push who needs to be pushed or whatever. And it's a fine hour of television, usually a very good one. But yeah, this one's much different. It's There's a match, and you've all heard about it. I don't know who wins. We'll not give any predictions or results spoilers because we don't know. We're just going to basically go by the um, quality spoilers, if you like, yeah. when we sort of inform our um, preview analysis for this show. Apparently, there's a match, and it's John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta that is so good that, one, I've read that it might even be better than FTR Young Bucks, which happened wow. in the same building. Two, it was so fantastic that Tony Khan came out at the edge of the show and said that a star was born tonight in Boston in terms of Wheeler Yuta. Huh? And three, um, the buzz was that it was better even than Danielson versus Kingston, which took place in Boston. So people who are in the know, and it was all over the squared circle thread, which I looked at for some reason, um, <laughs> when I was trying to gauge what the thoughts were on Dynamite, etc. Like, these are people who were there. Everyone is absolutely effusive in their praise of this match. Though, this is the flip side of it now. Because I have anxiety, right? <laughs> 
And I, the thing about anxiety is that you worry about things that could happen, which is suboptimal in 2022 because we're living in a hellscape of a decade. So a lot <laughs> yeah. of bad things can and often do happen. You also get like a little bit anxious about things that you ordinarily should look forward to, but it's just part of the, the, the mental traps that you find yourself in. I'm going to spend way too much time worrying that they are going to sort of do a hard commercial break during like some of the best bits in the story build of the match. Usually it's not a problem on fight because you get to see all of it. But Rampage is different where they kind of do what they like. It's bizarre sometimes. Mm. As a UK viewer, you either get the picture-in-picture break or they just do the Rampage theme on a loop for three minutes. It's half a crisis. <laughs> so I really hope, given the level of buzz, that they know what they have here and that with it being a tape show, the luxury is, you can just put the commercials in kind of wherever you like. They'll obviously be guidance. They can't just do... Oh, half an hour commercials, <laughs> 20 minutes of just, I uh, watched 20 minutes of adverts, I can't do it like that. But I hope they realise that this match is potentially special and that they get, I wish they would do what they do for the opener, where it's like, you've only got 90 seconds. Yes. And then it doesn't feel like a commercial break at all. I'd rather have a hard ad break positioned into the first match, have Excalibur do some kind of a retape and say... Oh, we're going to picture in picture, not for 90 seconds, don't specify. And then he can do sort of like some kind of, um, and again, tape another line during the main event to say, oh, it's only 90 seconds, guys, because this one we absolutely, I just wish we would swap it around. Because I, I agree. Because I do know from um, Meltzer on Observer Radio, released on Thursday morning, Wednesday night, that Danielson Trent goes on first. Ah, there we go then. Uh, in terms of, of Wheeler Yuta, though, they clearly got big plans for him. He's the what the pure champion, I think is the correct, yeah. correct term in, in, in Ring of Honor. Um, and yeah, him versus Moxley, is this another development in him potentially becoming a part of this Blackpool Combat Club? Yeah, I can't wait for this match. Um, I was looking forward to it before I heard the buzz. I'm, I'm just so desperate to see how, just how special it is. Um, this is one of the times where I'm really believing that it's genuinely special just because the volume of the noise is so deafening at yeah, this, this isn't point. Yeah, this is like the odd tweet from someone who, you know, it's wrestling subjective, you know, yeah. some people, yeah. There's a lot, there's a wall of sound almost, much less in noise. Um, because the, the general story, and they've plotted this so meticulously and so gradually and so wonderfully that he got killed by John Moxley himself mm-hmm. um, not too long ago. They had a tag match with Wheeler Utah and Chuck Taylor where he did kind of one fire-up spot and he took the beating and he seemed to want the beating to prove himself, mm-hmm. um, to prove his credentials to join the Blackpool Combat Club. Then he has that singles match with Danielson where I'm thinking he's a star, like he's genuinely a star. So for this match to transcend a level above what was already a masterclass in crowd psychology, manipulating the fans into... Um, getting behind someone just through the story beats. Like, crowd psychology in pro wrestling is the successful manipulation of the crowd, and they measure that by the volume. How can it be even better psychologically and on a star-making basis than Danielson versus Utah? Which a lot of people thought was absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. and great, but this one just appears to be a level above... I don't know how they're going to tell the story. I think it's going to be along a similar vein where they are telling you gradually, bit by bit by bit by bit, that you uh, thrives on the violence that is the MO of the Blackpool Combat Club. I'm thinking, are they just going to just start launching, shoot headbutts into each other's <laughs> face? Like, 
what kind of spot are we going to get that really feels like it's built towards this moment of an ascension for you to... I just can't wait to see it. Yeah, really, really excited. Um, and it's it's coupled with the opener as well, isn't it, in terms of you as... I mean, it's not his decision necessarily to join the Blackpool Combat Club unless it's offered to him, but his slow moving away from the best friends and certainly his burgeoning feud, arguably, against Trent... Well, there's a, a term I like to use when we see some nice overlapping and resourceful um, use of talent and overlapping storylines, and that is deft dovetailing booking and the existence <laughs> of Trent versus Danielson on this very show, which is going to happen before Mox versus Utah, unless they switch it around. Mm-hmm. On a storyline level, it makes more sense to do Danielson versus Trent first, and in fact, that is what they did, uh, because the idea is Trent can sort of want to go out and prove to you that you're a prick, you shouldn't have turned your backs on us, we know what's best for you. I don't know, I no longer want what's best for you, but we're just, we've got something to prove. We're not just some geeks, like, we've got things to, to show you. And, like, in his character's mindset, Trent can sort of communicate through this match with Danielson, shouldn't have turned your backs on us because we're going to show you what we can do yeah. in the best friends. Obviously, Danielson's going to win. That's going to further encourage you to think, well this is the team that I need to sort of match up with, and then the match happens. Uh, just an interesting note, and again, this is all second-hand reports received from Dave Meltzer, um, so you don't know if it's true or not, but he usually gets it right. He's mm-hmm. no mug, obviously. Apparently, the crowd was completely spent, as you would expect, oh, yeah. following FTR versus Bucks at the live um, Dynamite taping. Obviously, we know that Rampage is taped after the fact, so that crowd was emotionally exhausted, hoarse, whatever. And Danielson, Trent Beretta, said to be very good, but it just badly lacked in crowd heat. The idea is that this theme sadly kind of continues throughout the night. I hope they don't overcompensate with like the fake piped-in crowd noise, because no. if anything, if this Utah match is as good as everybody is saying, if they do piped in noises, it will sort of um, just undermine the key story of the night and how it was so impressive on Utah's um, behalf. Because what happens is, by all accounts, Danielson, Trent Peretta, very good, not going to spoil the result, but badly lacking in crowd heat. The rest of the hour doesn't really pick up from there. And by the end of uh, uh, Utah mocks, apparently it's like an incandescent atmosphere, <laughs> like completely ablaze, as loud as it's been on the night. So for him to wake up a crowd that tired mm. after a match that great between FTR and Bucks. Like, for one week, given that especially you've got a world title Texas death match between two major stars next week, is it worth just accepting the reality that the crowd wasn't massively hot to just underscore mm. how powerful mm. Utah's performance was? So I've got a few genuine misgivings despite the hype of this match, that they're kind of going to ruin it for themselves by sort of masking what an achievement it was. But that's just television, Mm. I'm afraid. I can't wait to see it. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? A try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Let's move on and talk uh, the Owen Hart tournament. There's another qualifier tonight for that. Red Velvet versus Willow Nightingale, someone who I'll admit I had never seen before until I watched her face Mercedes Martinez at the Super Card of Honor, and she really won me over. She's got a great personality, uh, and she's she's great to watch in the ring. Having said that, I feel like Red Velvet probably is the one who's going to progress uh, to the tournament. Yeah, indeed. Red Velvet is the AEW prospect that they've been building quietly, but not not prominently hmm. since the Crossroads Dynamite where it was Red Velvet and Cody versus Shaq and Jade Cargill, which kind of scanned. It was surreal then. It's even more surreal Yeah, I didn't now. think about that. Um, so she's been a sort of another patient, long-term project. Obviously, being a woman, she doesn't get the same opportunities as you see as you as, and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, I expect her to go over on that basis. I'm not particularly expecting an in-ring classic, if I'm being perfectly honest. And again, like... The idea is that it's one thing to push and keep a performer in the mix with a really sort of relative lack of experience. If they're not getting reps, more often than not, they can only progress so far and it just feels like their progression's being like stymied. Um, With Red Velvet, she continues to botch to a frightening degree and I don't really see much actual progression from her, but I don't necessarily think she's in the right system. It's been a core AEW problem from the jump. Um, only now are private party really showing what they yeah, can do. Yeah. Um, you just worry about acts like the gun club and stuff like that on this basis. So I'm not expecting anything great because I don't think the precedent is there, which is a shame because Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill, the first singles one they did, um, in the dying phase of what they're calling the pandemic era. It's more cases than ever, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, that was great, but I haven't really seen 
much progression from that, and I expect Red Velvet to go over. Yeah, I think they're going to have, you know, no offence to Willow, more recognisable names throughout this tournament. We've seen other people who've already qualified, of course, as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I really hope that, that Tony Khan, obviously, with his involvement with Ring of Honor as well, has noticed the talent that Willow Nightingale's got, because she's got great potential, hasn't she? Yeah, one thing that Tony Khan, well, he's great at several things. I don't want to be a simp or a mark, but I happen to think he's phenomenally talented in the role of a booker. One thing You wrote a book about it, I did, in fact, yes, and you can order it right now on Amazon, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. Um, one thing he's great at is he, he recognises that fans are clever enough to sense that Spirited defeat means more than some kind of corny finish. And honestly, sometimes to the detriment of certain matches, he always likes to give the loser something when they're laying out the matches. And I expect this pattern to, to happen here. Uh, we've also got Swerve versus QT Marshall. Swerve also busy with his feud uh, well, alongside uh, Keith Lee against Team Taz. Uh, but QT Marshall um, is a, a solid hand, not to give him a backhanded compliment there. But, you know, we know the role that he's going to play, especially in a match like this. And, and I, I love seeing Swerve back in a wrestling ring. Yeah, I really like seeing Swerve in a ring. Very unique movements, like dripping with personality. Um, then QT Marshall, this is not an exciting match. No one's going to, no one's creating red threads <laughs> about the lore of this match that was taped and you're going to get to see soon. It's QT Marshall. You know what you're going to expect. He's going to... Um, do a good, solid job to get Swerve over in a match that just gently reminds fans, look, we've got a star here. We might not be pushing him to the world title just yet, but keep an eye on Swerve Scott because... Um, Swerve Strickland, sorry. Hmm. Um, just keep an eye on him. One thing that sort of makes me think this could be more fun than it might seem on paper is that QT Marshall's got a great stupid face. <laughs> yes. He's got a great face where he can, like... Look like he's been outwitted in the ring. Like when Hook stepped back from the what do you call it when you like you jump onto the turnbuckle and yes. sort of like do the jump back. It's sort of like a uh, yeah, I, I want to say springboard, but that's not right. It's like not a leapfrog or yes, something like yeah, that. But you exactly. know what I mean? Um, so Swerve is very aptly named because he can swerve you with his like sort of unique um, approach to running the ropes. And I just think that if they can get on the same wavelength, which is a problem with um, Swerve Strickland, because I think Ricky Stark struggled with it at times. Unorthodox. Yeah, his, his movement and the way he sort of runs around the ring is so unorthodox and unique to himself that certain wrestlers kind of struggle to position yeah. themselves um, because it's sort of not in their training. Um, so Strickland's um, creativity does come at a cost. Um, but if QT Marshall, and he's thoroughly very good in his role, can sort of get in the correct positions and sell sort of being mystified at where the guy is, this should be like a fun eight-minute attraction. Um, any involvement from Team Taz in this? Do you think they, they, you know, they've done that a lot recently? Obviously, last week's Rampage, a, a, a brief segment on Dynamite as well. Yeah, they've done it a lot, but they do a lot to excess. Mm. Um, they shoot angles so often every single week that a lot of times it can just feel a bit fake. I've been in favour for the longest time, long time listeners, and mega fans will forgive me mm -hmm. for repeating a take, because it bears repeating when the same thing happens to diminishing returns. They shoot too many angles. It all feels a little bit like things to do rather than things that characters would do, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, I do expect some kind of angle involving Keith Lee and um, Team Taz. But if they can find a cool thing for Keith Lee to destroy <laughs> or burst through, 
then that should be good. Exactly. Um, speaking of things to destroy... Uh, and last, through. Yes, uh, last week on uh, Rampage, we got uh, Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti destroying Dan Lambert's car, I believe it was. Like a Jeep or... Yeah. And then, of course, we got the... I mean, it's only in picture-in-picture, picture, but the American plop team shenanigans, let's just call it. American top team. <laughs> More like American plop team. <laughs> Pathetic, like absolutely pathetic. Will we get more controversy from Sammy and Tay and, and, and uh, Dan Lambert and American Top Team Men of the Year, that sort of thing, tonight? And, yeah, where do you see this going? We were talking about this in the office because, you know, you've said campaign for a while now that they surely have to hear and see what's going on in the crowd response with Sammy and Tay. And I get it. You want to have uh, another match between Sammy and, and Scorpio Sky. And I'm not against that, you know, a rematch for the TNT Championship, if you want to do that at Battle of the Belts, for example, in a few Jesus weeks. Jesus Christ, no but, thanks. But it's, it's such a weird disconnect between the way they seem to perceive Sammy and Tay. And we're, you know, I want to caveat this. We're all happy for Sammy and Tay. We're not shooting on their relationship. We're shooting on the way it's being presented on AEW television because the crowd are receiving it a very different way than the way that they seem to think it's being presented. Is that fair? Of course it's fair. Like, look at the way that pro wrestling baby faces have always operated, fighting from underneath, valiantly struggling against cheating heels, right? Mm -hmm. Look from the unique lens of how AEW has promoted baby faces since its inception. Hangman Page has gone on a two-year quest where he's had to come his, overcome his mental health battles, his self-doubt, his anxiety, um, in order to realize his destiny. John Moxley, even before his like really unfortunate real life um, circumstances, connected with AEW crowds by literally crawling through broken glass. Like yes. this is a company that usually gets baby faces so right, which renders this sort of hopefully isolated um, run of Sammy Guevara's all the more inexplicable. People need to think that there are obstacles over which baby faces can overcome, struggles that they face, whether it's a cheating heel, mental health plunder, getting just kicked out of them, <laughs> like Wheeler Utah, basically. Every single baby face needs to overcome the odds. It is the most simple, dramatic tenant of professional wrestling. Sammy Guevara, which he's stupidly broadcasting on social media to just drive this re resentment and to arrive at this reaction, has got everything. Young, Good-looking, great physique, very attractive girlfriend with whom he's having fun every single day of his life on the road. The guy's having the time of his life. That's not a babyface quality. <laughs> and the fact that they've been yes. stupid enough to adapt it to his on-screen character, who's like, yes, they got screwed out of the title and all the rest of it. Yes, they got beaten up in the post-match. So he should get a measure of revenge. Smashing up a car during WrestleMania season, no less, when they know that the anti-WWE crowd are taking the piss a little bit. The optics of doing that are just stupid, mm -hmm. and the timing of them are... It's just really quite stupid as well. Um, Sammy Guevara said words to the effect of, oh, no, I don't care about the belt. I'd just done it the other week, and I'd rather do some kind of mixed tag because I want revenge. If you don't want the belt, and if you've got nothing really to fight for other than this sort of really cool life that you've created for yourself that everyone kind of resents at this point. It's just unspeakably stupid. And AW are the listening company. They must know 
that people hate this. This got booed out of the building. I was watching on fighting for my sins because I wanted to see what was on the next card. It was like car crash television almost. I wanted to see what rubbish joke was on next. And I was more listening to the reaction rather than I was watching the segment. And they were getting booed out of the building at the end. Not only was the pat terrible, not only is he stupid enough to not babyface himself in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, like, I've lost my train of thought because I hate this so much. But he has be mad and then they neck on with each other at the end. Just yeah. icing on the cake, really, wasn't it? The AEW's a listening company. They must realize at this point, it's all over Twitter, the resentment. It was absolutely undeniably unpopular in the building. Even the rest of the roster have picked up on this and are using it for engagement for their own likes. Like, that's what it's all about. Daniel Garcia replying, oh, guys, you have sex. <laughs> I have noticed, like, everyone kind of hates this. And um, they must realize that people hate it. Therefore, this act either has to be completely disbanded. It's even worse than the Seth and Becky stuff. Like, oh, exponentially yeah. worse. Because at least Seth and Becky were like, you know, you can do what you want on social media. I'm not saying that Sammy Guevara should be ordered to not acknowledge his relationship or, but, you know, it's a it's a tool that allows a glimpse into your life. And if you're, it's just, you should be allowed to do this. And it feels bad for me to say, I oh, shouldn't do that on social media. He's not being a troll. <laughs> He's not being a tribalist dickhead who, like, sort of abuses people. He's using it realistically in a way nicer and more wholesome way mm. than about 98% <laughs> of the arseholes on the platform, and yet it's still a bit much. And I would be a little bit... Um, I'd feel really sorry for him if, in fact, none of this was acknowledged on camera and he was playing a great baby face on screen and he just happened to be using Twitter to be happy about his life and to share his happiness. And he was getting booed. I would think, well, that's harsh because you should possibly, unless someone's being such an arsehole that you can't disconnect from their persona on screen, just try and ignore one while you're watching yes. or observing the other. But it's happening on screen as well. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um... I don't know if they've pitched it. I don't know if it's been imposed upon them. Why would they impose it upon them? Hey, you know, like stuff that everyone hates on social media. That's over on social media. Let's put it on TV. It just, <laughs> no. I just don't get any of this. I feel like it's going to be a short-lived embarrassment. And it's a shame because Sammy Guevara's actual in-ring output, particularly during the second phase, if you like, of his TNT title reign. I know he's had two, but you know what I mean. Mm. Like, he was really sort of working great matches. The Cody match, the three-way on Rampage. Like, any sort of, oh, this is a bit mid- all of that was kind of going away, and then yeah. they've just ruined it all over again. And in terms of tonight, some more kind words from Dan Lambert to add to the controversy, basically. Yes, and it, it might be AEW's single biggest creative disaster, this. Wow. I maintain that the Dark Order, there was a reason for them to grow and strengthen numbers. It made use of the win-loss rankings framework. It tried to sort of fold in and utilize in a sort of a Chris Kresge-esque way everyone in the company theoretically fall into the clutches of the Dark Order, who grew in numbers. It's all very goofy. The execution was panto. It was <laughs> nonsense. It was barely sporting. But, you know, in terms of a storyline, the bare bones of a good sort of sprawling idea were there. Uh, the Nightmare Collective, at the very least they realized this is an absolutely dying vanity project, um, and they got rid of it. At the very least, with the Nightmare Collective, and this has gone completely sort of under the radar, in my opinion, it was genuinely a vehicle for progressive and uh, 
progressive characters and representation, mm-hmm. which is of immense value, and we should be seeing more of it in AEW. This is the worst thing they've ever done. And we have it. Dan Lambert has ritually, ritually been baby-faced, and he's playing an avatar for the guy who hates AEW the most. Absolutely moronic. It, honestly, it makes me feel bad for writing this book that I wrote, which you can get at Amazon right now. <laughs> it's entitled Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW. Because I put over, like, I bury what needs to be buried. Yeah. But the general picture I paint of AEW, um, before which there's a, a history of all the factors that converged for it to, to become an entity, broadly, as you've probably guessed from this podcast and the various other ones I've recorded, I think this is possibly the best wrestling promotion I've ever watched because it's a hub for everything I like. It'll take a while for it to reach New Japan peak levels of the 2010s in terms of how long they've been this great and how much they expand their business and all the rest of it. But it's a hub for everything I love. I think some of it is the most remarkably intelligent professional wrestling booking, execution, in-ring that I've ever seen. And whenever I watch this rubbish and how they've mishandled the easiest character to get right in wrestling, which is Dan Lambert, I feel like Master Mark has completely overpraised this. Is this company actually <laughs> as thick as anything? How can they do the the Danielson Wheeler Utah story? Not not even the MJF Punk, the Hangman Page Omega. How can they do something as precise, resourceful, yeah, yeah. intelligent, successful as the Wheeler Utah Brian Danielson Blackpool Combat Club story? and make Dan Lambert a baby face. I don't know how, and I feel like I've been worked into thinking this promotion's clever. It is good, mate. Don't worry about it. But Thank yeah, you. We'll be intrigued to see how this plays out tonight on Rampage. Very excited to see Wheelie Utah versus John Moxley. Now, let us know your thought on that and everything we've discussed today on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, the SmackDown preview with myself and Michael Hamlet is available right now. And we'll all be back on Monday to review both Rampage and SmackDown. But for now, this has been the AW Rampage preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.